This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field, Aminio left the building. Guerrero lifts one to left field, and gone! Oh, Tani! That was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Are we on? Is A's Cast Live on? Are we, are, are we doing this? I mean, Brody Brazil's in the dugout, for God's sakes. It's Brody's here. It's a big deal. From NBC Sports California. I mean, Brody's in here. We, we, got, a, we got a big game today. We have a big show for you today. Scott Emerson, the pitching coach, is coming down from the bullpen. See, this is the stuff that uh, you normally don't get to see on a regular show, but he's going to be – is Emo coming on today, or do we get we get big leagued? Uh, I don't think I don't think I don't I didn't hear anything. Well, we were hoping to get him on. We're actually going to get him on as he walks by right here. Scott Emerson, the pitching coach of your oh no no, we'll get you at a different. We need to get you for the homestand though. There, yeah, we'll call your people, our people. We'll we'll get a. Well, I know you need some money too. <laughs> You're like the mob. We got to pay you off. The great Scott Emerson. We have a big show for you today, Matt Chapman. Former Oakland Athletic turned Toronto Blue Jay will be here and got some questions about his time and what it meant for him. And, you know, when he said, you know, it's one thing when he played against this team in Toronto and he talked to everybody. What's it now like when you come out to third base and Bob Melvin's not hitting your fungos anymore? This was his clubhouse, his stadium. He used to yell from the third base spot up to the press box to turn up his music. He controlled the music. He controlled the stadium. Everybody catered to him. This was his house. He, what, he essentially was Dave Renetti. He took over Dave Renetti's job. So let's ask him, what does it feel like to come back here and no longer are you an Oakland Athletic? You were the leader of this team. I, I'm very curious to see what he has to say. Because I don't think it's as easy as, well, they traded me and we moved on. Well, the reports were that he was offered a contract. And let's see what he had to say. Or let's see what he has to say about being offered that contract. And whether, you know, because we have experience with those things here. With Jason Giambi coming on the program saying, well, uh, it's not didn't go down exactly how it was reported. There may have been maybe some verbal talk, but there was never an actual piece of paper, which we would now call an email, that was presented to Jason Giambi as a formal offer. So he can actually say, I was never offered a contract. The A's can then turn around back then and say, oh, well, we knew he was going to New York anyway. Well, don't you still present him with an offer? He may have a, a change in heart. I mean, we're now learning. Hometown discount? If Freddie Freeman would have been actually presented with the offer. Oh, and knew about it, he would have t- he would have taken it. We're still talking about Freeman, and it would have he would have stayed in Atlanta. That mean Matt Olson stays here. I don't know. I mean, what happens if Matt Olson does take that contract? Freddie Freeman. 
No, Matt Olson. Takes what contract? The contract of 150. Oh, that's how much does that change? Do you now get rid of Matt Olson if he's now committed to the future? How much did Matt Chapman not taking that contract? I mean, Simeon, uh, as much as I will root for Marcus, and I love Marcus, and I think Marcus is a great A, and we will go on and on about Marcus Simeon, I, I think that, um, and I would bet that the A's will look back and say, not offering Marcus Simeon the type of contract that he has gotten now at $175 million will will be a win for the franchise. I don't that don't I do not I do not think this fran, that this offer or I should say the contract that he signed with the Texas Rangers will age well. It hasn't even gotten off to a good start. Good to see him hit another home run yesterday. Good to see him get that average up to I think he's around 230. But they're not happy with the first year. You got 6 years left of that. I don't think that contract ages well. And I you know that to me will be a win for the front office. But if if Matt Chapman accepts the contract and was still here for the next 9 years, that contract would have what started this year? Um yeah, I think so cuz he had would have had cuz he still has two more arb years left. Yeah, this was buying up arbitration years. Yeah, you were essentially buying up arbitration years and then he so had this like would six be, years. So you'd have this year and 9 years left if it was a 10-year deal. Well, let's ask him what was offered, what, you know, and that's let's find out. But I mean, how much would that have changed this season? How much what we can find out and then we can say, well, by him saying no, this led to you know, because the new ballpark was supposed to be built around him. He was supposed to be the showcase figure. He says Oakland should keep the team. Oakland should have a new ballpark. Well, you were the featured piece, and you said no. Yeah, and that was three years ago, so he would have been 26 then, 26, 27. When he was offered the contract? I thought it was recent. I thought it was 2019 he was offered the deal. Right after the 20, Sorry, after the 2019 I season. don't think it was 2019 because if you remember, we had him on the program – and we had him on, as we like to do, we like to tape the show. This is being real, real, by the way. Um, as Jim Harbaugh once said, it's getting real, real, real fast. We had Matt Chapman on the program. Uh, I was doing it from the home studio. It was a taped deal. Yeah, after 2019, apparently, he was offered the deal. I asked him, remember when we asked him before, and I said, Have, has there been any offers? And he, and he was, no. Yeah. That, so that was, that's why I want to ask so, – this report out there, what was was anything ever? He may decline to talk about it. He may not want to talk about it. He may say that's past me. But I, I think it's worth asking: Were you offered? When were you offered? What were you offered? Ace fans, I think, deserve to know. Now you have to ask the question: What's the? Because front offices don't want to get into it. We could ask. We could ask. David Force a bazillion different ways, and he's he would not tell us. They just don't do that. Yeah, and it's a what's the word I'm looking for? Journalistic integrity to ask that question, even though um, you have none, and, and it's all about me. I mean, because I'm asking the questions, you're going to hide underneath the umbrella. Uh, well, kinda, not hiding, but I'll be, I'll be here. Okay. Um, do you want to apologize to me now or later? Well, we have time. We might as well just do it now. Well, the the floor is yours. Do we need do we need to set it up with the audio first or I I just I I, I am waiting for the if because if you listen to the show you know how the commander says the show all the ideas everything's about him 
It, you know, Ken Korak and Vince Catronio are always talking about him, the great job that he does. It's all well, about Cody. It's not just them. Uh, Kype and Dallas talk about me, too. Uh, everybody talks about how he makes the show go without him. Apparently, although oh, boy. Although Kype takes shots at me because uh, of the umbrella. I don't know. That, that relationship soured a little bit. Um, but I'm waiting. Uh, let's play the audio first. This is earlier on MLB Now. Joel Sherman, Brian Kenny, and Ruben Amaro were talking about uh, MVPs, and this is something Townie's been talking about. We'll play the audio for you, and you can uh, well, just listen for yourself. Yeah. Can I talk about Otani and Trout? Since you oh, you want to go right from the dog day. I know you <laughs> want to go yeah, in, in value and sure, because Trout is still in this equation, yeah. by the way. Yeah. They're done. I don't want to hear about either guy's MVP case. I'm with dog. Like, what happens when we talk about wins above replacement and ratio stuff, that's why Alcantara is my guy. Like, you throw that number of innings. He's got three complete games. He's got, I think, eight games of eight innings. Like, he's helping you win so many days, not just the day he pitches, but he saves bullpen, et cetera. He's happy so to be on a bad, bad stretch that he yeah. had against the Yankees. That, the bad that stretch. The, why are we talking about the Yankees? They lost, what, 14 straight games or 16? What was it? 14 straight games? It's not games? an individual Wait, sport, and, though, and, Joel. But they know. were terrible during that. Those pitching numbers for Otani come after that losing streak. In other words, our season's over. Here I am. Like, I'm ready to be good. And Trout's been terrible against the Yankees and the Astros this year. It's not just three games. It's 13 games against the two best teams where you need your best player to play well. He's got one homer and one RBI in those 13 games. He's got three hits in those 13 games. Like, the idea is actually to win, not to look good in some algorithm which nobody knows how it works. Right, right, hold on. Right. What, what if by the end of the year? I hear you. I, by the end I, of the I, year, I, they're I, both going to have fantastic what, numbers right, in, a, in a complete what, vacuum. What again. if Mike Trout is the best hitter hands down in all of baseball? If we're going to play hypothetical. No, but that's very that's Let's very play a hypothetical. Say somebody possible. hits 65 homers and all 65 come with their team up six runs or down six runs. Is that guy the most valuable player? Yeah, theoretically, I guess he would not be, but that does not happen. The but this did happen. Mike Trout, I, look, I, I hate to be talking though, like, bad about Mike. Otani's the most spectacular player I've ever seen, what he's doing. Trout might be the best player I've ever seen. But within value, if we're going to talk about value, like the, that team desperately needed him to be great. Ruben, I have one more question for him. Yeah, yeah no problem. Ruben is sitting here, too. I'll be um, very patient. So you're saying no matter what, <laughs> no matter what Trout does the rest of the way. Unless the award gets he, called best player. He cannot get the MVP in your No shot. Even if he's like, if he ends up slugging 750. And the Angels get back base, in it because of him? No, the Angels stay where they are. No. Okay. Well, there you go. That's something you've talked about, and I apologize. So. I get a message today about, oh, I got this from MLB now. Oh, I'm like, uh, it's July 5th. I've been talking about this for weeks. I normally don't blow myself up on this show, but I am today because I'm tired of not getting any love. I've been talking about this well before MLB now. I did my homework to sell. I went through the game logs of Shohei Otani because it was when he hit the two home runs and the next day he struck out like 13. Everybody's like, see how great he is? I went, uh-uh, uh-uh. He was awful during their 14-game losing streak. 
when the team needed him the most. So I went through his game logs. I added everything up. I had all his stats. I did it on a Sunday on A's post game, then brought it out for uh, the A's Clubhouse show. And then I brought it out the next day for A's Cast Live on a Monday. I didn't have MLB Network staff doing it for me. I did it. I've been on this for well over two weeks, and you wouldn't run with it until Joel Sherman of the New York Post does it on MLB Now, and then now you think it's a big deal. Yeah, the other guy, the latter. I'm pissed. The latter in the conversation, uh, you call him Trouty. I, I know him as Mike Trout. Uh, he... What do you have? Nine strikeouts in the Angels series or the uh, series against the Astros? Six looking. Yeah, the, not not good for Trout. He had a 0 for 14 slump. He had an 0 for 26 earlier this year. We talked about it yesterday. We asked, I asked you the question if Mike Trout's declining. Okay, uh, this is my point, and Joel Sherman hit it, and we've had uh, Paul Hemikides from ESPN disagreed but understood. But Joel Sherman and I are right on the same boat. Not every There's more people who are going to feel like Brian Kinney go, well, wait a minute, it's a weekend, it's two weeks. I said, and Sherman now has backed me up, an MVP has moments. We are too sucked into who's got the best baseball reference page, who's got the best numbers. That's fine. We have a Hank Aaron Award for that. We're talking about the most valuable player. And when your team needed you the most, both Trout and Otani, but this is more for Otani. Otani has multiple ways to help get you out of that 14-game losing streak. There were all the at-bats, and there were his two starts. He was terrible in all of it. His two starts were bad. He got roughed up in those two starts. And then in those at-bats, he stunk for 14 games. And they helped get their manager fired. And their season was over. They're not coming back from it. Season's done. Season's done. They stunk when the team needed them most. And now you want to say they're MVPs? And Joel Sherman's right. All of a sudden, oh, we stink, we're out of it, but here we are now. Let's let, let's play well and start talking about how we're MVPs. That's not how a most valuable player should go. And it doesn't matter what sport. You shouldn't go out, lose three out of four of your first football games in the National Football League. You're out of the playoffs. Then your quarterback, now he's hell on wheels and he's throwing it all over. Well, look, he had 40 touchdowns. Well, what did it matter? He wasn't playing under any pressure. What pressure is it when you're going out every night getting your ass kicked, and then every once in a while you throw up a bunch of home runs and you have a good start, but you're still 12 and a half games back? What does that matter? Now you're just playing for stats, and as Joel Sherman said, and he hit the nail on the head, now you're just playing for an algorithm that we don't even know how it's done. Yeah. That's all Trout is, and I love Trout. But we're trying to make an argument here. Everybody's going to throw war back in your face about Mike Trout, and you're like, okay, you're throwing this algorithm at me. I don't work for Amazon. I don't work for Google. I don't need an algorithm. What does it do for my life? I don't know. Amazon, it's all about algorithms. I know my wife goes on there. She hits a button, buys it, and it shows up at my front door. Great. For my baseball, I don't really care anymore. Oh, Trout's got this. He's war. What? It's an algorithm that I can't even explain. No one can explain it to me. Can you explain to me how we get war? No, because you can't figure out. How, there's so many different. We got B war and Fangraphs war. We have different kinds of wars now, but they can't even tell us how B war, F war is calculated. I mean, we had to look up one earlier that I had no idea. what. what I had to look up what the hell is RE24. I still don't know what it means. Yeah, they threw one out today on, on, on uh, MLB Network that I'd never even heard of it. 
and you looked it up, and it RE24, ER24, what the hell was it? Yeah, it's RE24, and according to Fangraph's uh, definition of it, it's it measures the change in run expectancy from the beginning of a player's plate appearance to the end of it. Run expectancy is the average number of runs an average team would be expected to Are you to listening score. to this? <laughs> yeah. This is why baseball's not – it's simple. In basketball, you shoot threes, you shoot twos. I know Steph Curry hit 13 threes in a game. That's exciting. Warriors won. I like watching it. People in other markets go, hey, Steph Curry's on the floor. He shoots threes. I'm going to watch it on TNT. I get it. Go back to this. What is it? Run expectancy based on 24 base out states or RE24. This is what our game is? This is what you're throwing out. Like, I'm supposed to know who the best players are. It's it's RE24? RE24, correct. RE24. I'm supposed to know. I guarantee you I would bet a million dollars I could bring Brody Brazil over here and ask him. Brody, come here for a second. I got a million dollars that you will not have the answer to this. Waving goodbye to you just now. Not not can I be on A's cast, but oh, what a what an appearance. Hey, I just booked a guest for you right oh, here. There you go. That's, that's a guest book. What was that $20 bill about, Cody? Why are you looking over there? You think yeah, Matt Chapman's coming? Yeah, he's well he's supposed to. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Am I filling in for Matt Chapman right now? No, they, told, they, told no, him, they no, said he'd be I'm, late. I, I'm proving a point. Okay, okay. Sorry, go this ahead. This is one thing. Go ahead, yeah. Do you know the definition of what the new analytic RE24 is? I thought RE20 was a microphone. Read it to him. This is our game, Brody. This right. is our game. All right. You ready? Here's the And the definition of this stat's probably going to be like three paragraphs. Go Here ahead. we go. R run expectancy based on 24 base out states measures the change in run expectancy from the beginning of a player's plate appearance to the end of it. Run expectancy is the average number of runs an average team would be expected to score during the remainder of the inning based on the location of the base runners and number of outs. See? Told you. So who leads the league in that category? RE24. No idea. We just know that <laughs> wait, 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 Paul Goldschmidt no. in the National League is number one. Yeah, Goldschmidt. I, I was going to think it's some some obscure player who was like, okay, yeah, whatever. Uh, like Stats are supposed to just add leverage to a conversation, right, or prove your point about something. How is that going to help me prove any points? So that is my gift to you today. All right. RE24, you're done. Go do your I'm television. Go drop that on Stu. He'll and, and, stare at me. And ask Stu, <laughs> ask Stu what his RE24 was. <laughs> I think he'll say, I think I drank that last night. Yeah. <laughs> See you guys. See, See you, buddy. I mean, seriously, that's where we are today? That's what – now, I will say this. If you wonder who – what an MVP is, because I guess this is like a big conversation, and you texted it to me, so I'm going to read it right off my phone. Paul Goldschmidt. National League rankings, batting average, one. On-base percentage, one. Slugging percentage, first. OPS plus, first. Total bases, first. Runs created, first. RE24, whatever the hell this is, first. And WAR, first. He's first in everything. The only thing he's not, home runs. He's six, but everything else, he's, um, if we have to bring him down somehow, that's it. Other than that, he's been incredible. And the Cardinals still in the hunt for the Central and a playoff berth. I just, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. But I, I, I'm lockstep with Joel Sherman. Or he should be, it should be said he's lockstep with me because I beat him way to this. I, I think the whole Trout and Otani thing 
is really tired. And I know we're getting to the all-star break coming up here, and that's when the MVP talk will come. And you're going to have people that go, oh, you can't compare anybody to Otani because Otani does a pitcher and he does a hitter. Yeah, he's a freak. It's incredible what he's doing. But we need to get back to what is the most valuable. And they're, unless they get their team back into this thing, and unless that whatever the magic is that we're looking at the Angels back in the postseason, I don't tell – look at this. Scott Emerson. Oh! I ran it. What? What? That's really bad. Yeah, that's an error. How's that an error? I ran out of room with my cord. Uh, so it bounced off your glove. No, it hit off my foot. Um, I, I, don't, I don't see how you can talk about these guys as the MVP. And the other thing they did that I've been talking about has been uh, on the show has been how the Astros are different than they used to be. We need to stop looking at them as the Jeffrey Lunau, Houston Astros, they tanked. And I know I've gone over a lot of this in the postgame show in the A's Clubhouse show. We have to we have to kind of let go our hatred for the Astros from a baseball standpoint. From a fandom standpoint, I get it. You're always going to hate them. But what they're doing right now as I think you can say the most complete team in baseball. Oh, yeah, without a question. I, I ran by their – they came back from a five-run deficit yesterday. They had the number one bullpen ERA going into base in the play yesterday. They had the like the top three overall uh, staff ERA. What they're doing is incredible, and they're doing it with guys like Urquidy and a Christian Javier, Framber Valdez, international signings, along with Justin Verlander and uh, Jake Odorizzi came back yesterday and he got roughed up in his his start. But I mean, what they're doing is is remarkable, and their offense is so good. You got Tucker, you got. MV, and a, a rookie of the year candidate, Jeremy Pena, who they drafted in the third round a few years ago. You still got Altuve. You still got Yuli Gurriel, although he's not really hitting like he normally does. Uh, catchers are weak spot. That's why I think they're going to go out and get Wilson Contreras from the from the Cubs. They call up their top catching prospect. I think that's just a ploy for them to show what he can do, and then they can trade him to the Cubs, and that could be their catcher of the future, and they get Contreras for the rest of the year. But Houston, is they might be the most all-around team. Like, the Yankees are good, but – yeah. Well, the Yankees Houston, are fantastic. But Houston went in and beat them. And then they came to Houston and they beat them there too. And now with Verlander back, look at Verlander did in New York. Verlander won at Yankee Stadium and he beat the Mets in New York. He had a nice little tour. He had a nice little tour against the Yankees, the Mets, and then the Angels. It was very, very impressive. And, you know, one guy, now that we've – can we can we establish that – I don't have to go over Otani and Trout as MVP candidates anytime soon. Uh, yeah, I think that. I'm just going to look at the standings, and, 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 yes, you can say that it's not fair. I, I'm tired of talking about fair or not. If they get their team, if they rise as leaders as two of the 26 to get their team and rise their team, the tide rises all seas. If, if they get their if they get their team back into contention, then we'll talk about them. If not, uh, they're done. And I think we, we we can leave it there. One guy I do want to talk about who we saw rolling around here just a little bit ago. Ah, he just, he just walked right by. I don't know if you saw him. Cole Irvin was fabulous last night. Uh, yes. Um, I talked to him earlier. Told him I said uh, great outing. He's now, now the seventh fastest pitcher in baseball. If you're looking at baseball savant's leaderboard on pitch tempo at 14.3 seconds, that's with no runners on base. 
That's his first home win since April 24th. That's what kind of blew my mind. First home win since April 24th. He's now 2-1 at home. He allowed eight innings, one round against the Jays also last May. So he pitches well against Toronto. Team that Na- drafted him out of high school. Yep, 95 pitches last night, eight innings. And, uh, you know, the A's last complete game, I looked up last complete game by an A's starter, Sean Manaya last year, June 2nd versus the Mariners. June 2nd last yeah. year. Sandy Al- uh, uh, Alcantara. Alcantara, because, everyone again, everyone says that. He has, he has three already this year, and he's gone eight innings eight different times. Well, yeah. And, and he's he, pitching and he's, tonight. And he's pitching tonight, and um, that is pathetic. We have not had a complete game since June of last year. And one of them, so I think the A's as a staff, we had three last year, and two of them, well, two by Manaya, one by Bassett, but one of Manaya's. Uh, uh, well, complete la- games was a seven-inning doubleheader. Last night is a great example where you have a starting pitcher who's cruising, absolutely cruising, and he's gone through eight innings. He's only given up one run. He hasn't walked anybody. I I, I don't see the data that they have inside. I don't have a StatCast app on my phone like the front office does. I don't have the stat cast that they have here in the dugout. But, yes, in the dugout, they're looking at everything. They're seeing all of his readings. I don't know if they went down or not. But the fact that we did not allow Cole Irvin to go out last night and finish that game, I'll say it, it's ridiculous. Zach Jackson had to come in. He had to come in. What happened the first batter he faced? It's not the point. He had to come in. That, that you're trying to be Cole Irvin couldn't, you know, where we are in the season, you can't give me lockout, you can't say all that stuff, short and spring. You're trying to tell me he couldn't go over 100 pitches to get a complete game? The way he was cruising through that lineup, you can have your guys warmed up in the bullpen. They can be ready to go. That And, and, and are, are you terrified of your record? Are you terrified of the standings, of where you are in the standings? I mean, this is just – I don't I, I don't get it. Why would you not allow your, your pitcher to, to, to complete the game when he's got under 100 pitches? You're not saving him for anything. Yeah, I, I don't. It's for a personal accomplishment. It's what pitchers strive to do. And you go, hey, eight innings, got to get to the bullpen, which I can give you the stats of the bullpen. I understand you want your bullpen to get work, but the way this bullpen has been this year – this bullpen has not been good at all. No. Second worst so let a guy you you know what? A guy a guy going a complete game allows you to rest that bullpen on a night like tonight where you potentially may need the bullpen and Adrian Martinez going for just the third time in his career. You may need instead of Zach Jackson pick, pitching last night, you may need him for two innings tonight. Yeah. I I, I mean like I said you, I was screaming about this to my wife but she doesn't care. Um, she's an Angels fan and, well, bad baseball fan. So, um, last night, they, they getting pulled with 95 pitches. Zach Jackson comes and gives up a double of the first batter he faces. But, like, leave Cole out there. He was rolling. If you Don't give me the four time through the lineup. He got George Springer out just fine. And then he got pulled. I, I just don't understand the, the logic behind it. It's not like he's a rookie making his third career start like Adrian Martinez is. This is a guy that pits all of last year for you, and he's pitching. He's made up, you know, he's had a couple injuries this year. But other than that, he's been he's been solid. Yeah, uh, and I, you know, the thing that for me for Cole, which is therapeutic, is to actually go out there and throw the ball well, throw the ball well at home, and to get the W too. Yeah, 
Like I and, said, first win at home since April 24th. And I, and I know the, the people of your generation now want to act like W's don't matter, but they, they tell you. Cole will tell you what it means for the starting pitcher to get a win. It means something. Yes, does it mean as much as it used to? Because I, to, I, I think it's honest to say you ha- it depends on who you ask. And really the guys that matter are not the people that look at fantasy sports numbers. The people that really matter are the people who are actually doing it for a living. Yeah, I agree. And so Cole Irvin, Scott Emerson, the pitching coach, they value wins for starting pitchers. This helps validate the work that you do down there. You could say, well, that doesn't, it doesn't mean as much, and you can give me up. But these guys want more than, like Joel Sherman said, I want to do more than just pitch for an algorithm. I want to pitch for an outcome, and an outcome is wins and losses. That's why we play the game. And it may be why, or it may be something that we forget all the time, is that now we are just pitching for ratios, math equations, algorithms, that we have forgotten that we're pitching to win games. That's why we're here. That's why we're standing on the field. Is there a game tonight? There's going to be a winner, and there's going to be a loser. And for some reason, we're trying to do everything we can. And I, I, I don't know if we blame front offices or we blame fantasy football. I mean, fantasy, uh, fantasy baseball. I don't know if we blame Bill James and his what he basically created. There's somebody to blame, but what we have done is we've taken the importance away from wins and losses, especially how we judge players. We want to act like players don't have anything to do with the win or losses in some ways, right? Like, you can lose. You can be on a team that lost 162 games. People are going, I don't care. It's the way the runs created plus was. In the end, you got to remember why we're here. We're here to play a game. A game has a winner and a loser. The game is not played to see what your ex-WOBA is, which got brought up today. I know. It was, uh, I saw that stat brought up for somebody. Yeah. Your, uh, your ex-WOBA got brought up today, and it's like, that's not why we play the game. We play the game to win. Matt Chapman is now on the field. He's going to be coming over uh, as the A's are still taking batting practice. And... I thought the A's did Matt Chapman right last night with how they handled the ceremony. It wasn't necessarily a ceremony, uh, a video tribute. By the way, we just – there you go. Um, what Did you see the video tribute to him? Yeah. It was a, a bunch of highlights with calls from Ken and Glenn and Vince. Um, I thought it was well done. And then, you know, when he came up to his first at bat, they played his walk-up song from last year. Yeah. Got nice to a nice ovation. Don't you open up the window. Yeah. I haven't heard that. You heard I that so many times. I couldn't tell you who did that. Maybe it's Travis Scott. Couldn't tell you. What's going on with our headphones? Uh, it, the, the cable's shortening out, it sounds like. It, it shouldn't be. It's brand new. Well, you, you, you have your umbrella over it, so it's okay. Yeah, it's protecting all of our equipment. That's all that matters. Yeah, so I think it's uh, – it's going to be very interesting to, to hear his thoughts about coming back to Oakland, about playing against the A's, uh, what this franchise meant to him, and growing up in this franchise and moving on in his career. It's not always easy. Change is not always easy. 
And for a lot of these guys, they love playing here. They love being on. They love being with the A's. But things have changed, and he definitely, no question, has been a big part of that change. And for the A's, two more games. You got the game going on tonight. Then, of course, you got the game going on tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, it's a day game tomorrow, right? Twelve thirty-five. Correct. Yeah. And so we'll we'll get him, Matt Chapman, on as we speak. Long time no see. Well, how have you been? It's good Great. to see you. How are you, Chris? We're doing well. We've uh, we've upped our game. You're now on video. You now see oh, the show cool. on YouTube and Perfect. on Twitter. Very cool. Well, it's been a while. I know. It has been a while. As we're getting Tony Kemp in here also, seeing your uh, old teammates. Yeah. Uh, what has that been like? Uh, it's been uh, interesting. You know, uh, a lot of emotions yesterday, first day back. Um, you know, it was a lot of fun. Just brought back good memories. Uh, it was maybe a little harder to uh, focus than uh, I thought yeah. I thought it would be. You know, just a lot of you know good memories in this stadium. A lot of things. So it just kind of all happened real fast. But um, you know, I think today I've been able to slow it down a little bit. Uh, excited to. It's always good to see. You know, there's a lot of people I still care about here, and you know, it's fun to play in the stadium where it all started. I think about the video tribute. I was watching you. You were down the right field line, and you were stretching, and you looked up, and I could tell. Uh, your reaction after you appreciated it. What was that like looking up and remembering those times, playoff games, all the guys that you went to war with here on this field and seeing that tribute, what did that mean to you? It meant a lot. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think it means that, uh, you know, I did a few things good. Yeah. I think it means that, uh, you know, that we, we had a good run here. You know, unfortunately, all good things come to an end and a new chapter begins for, you know, a lot of the guys uh, that have come through here. So I, I still keep up with my teammates here. I keep up with Oli and all those guys. So it's fun to see what they're on to. But to see that video and uh, look back and, you know, to be able to wave to the crowd and, you know, tip my cap. Never had a moment like that before. So it's pretty cool. Uh, you know, I, I feel the love here from everybody still. So, you know, I have uh, obviously... Uh, enjoyed you know all my time as an Oakland A so to, to be able to come back and be welcomed with open arms sure it won't be the last time I come back here so no um, <laughs> I'm sure I'm you know I'm at least coming back here next year you're not right? retiring are you no so uh, chances are chances are I'm going to come back here but the first time's always really special and uh, I think it'll get a little easier to play as I keep coming back here but uh, you know it's a lot of a uh, lot of memories all at once yesterday all right, so you've always been real honest with us. So I got some questions, and I know yesterday around the media they're gonna they're gonna ask you the traditional, and you're gonna, well, I don't know how to get to the opposing clubhouse and all that kind right. of stuff. But let's be honest, this clubhouse was your clubhouse. Yeah, you were the leader here for sure. Wasn't that long ago? I'd be looking over at you right over there, say hello to you. You're yelling up to them, turn up the music. This was yeah, your house. Absolutely, you were the leader of this franchise. When you rolled in here yesterday, just I know it's getting a little deep, but just what did that mean to your core that this was Bob Melvin, you, the leaders, to not be that guy? That yeah. had to feel really strange. It did. Um, you know, I, 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 it did feel strange, you know, to be a little bit of a stranger in your own land. But I think, um, you know, I, I still came in through F-Lot. I went into the clubhouse through the A's way, said hi to everybody. So... Um, you know, I wanted to make my rounds early so I could come into the clubhouse, obviously try and get ready to play. But, 
you know, it, it hurt. It hurts a little bit. You know, I think, uh, you know, I'm happy. I'm happy where I'm at. I'm excited to be a Blue Jay. This is uh, this isn't about them. You know, this is uh, I'm my goal is to win a World Series. Uh, you know, I love playing with these guys, bunch of talented young players. So that's all great. But, you know, to answer your question and truthfully, uh, you know, it stings a little bit, you know, knowing, uh, you know, going from, you know, having Bo Mel and being a leader and all those things and coming in here and kind of having, uh, you know, that ripped out from you. It, it just uh, happened fast and it just kind of reminds you that it's a business, you know, and it's um, it's the way it works sometimes. And, you know, I think it started with Marcus and Liam leaving, obviously. Uh, that one kind of pissed us off. And then obviously me and Oli and Bass and Amanaya and all next and Bo Mel. So kind of the writing was on the wall but you know with every every chapter that closes there's a new one and I have new opportunity and uh, new goals and uh, new focus here in Toronto and obviously uh, you know there's still like I feel like I have a lot to prove not only to myself to my teammates but the game and um, you know I'm just excited to be able to still have that opportunity because uh, you know I'm still blessed to be able to play baseball every single day uh, I feel like I'm a leader in the clubhouse in Toronto uh, maybe you know, I'm not coming in there and barking orders by any means, but I'm, I'm helping lead this team to go yeah. where they want to go because I want to go there, and so do they. And the East is incredible, no it doubt is. about it. I just I want to give you the same shot that I gave Jason Giambi years ago when we talked about There was a lot about his contract, whether he was even offered the contract. Contract here, he ends up signing with New York. He ended up telling us, I was never offered a contract from right. the A's. There was nothing ever put in writing. Was there a contract offered to mm -hmm. you? Was it something you actually saw that you were able to turn down? How did that yeah. all go? I, I want to there be fair a, to you. No, there was a, there was a, and I know it's funny how that all comes out after right? the fact, right? But that's a, that's how it is. I know that, you know, they probably want to let people know that they, they, you know, they didn't just let me walk, right? But there was a contract offer. Um, you know, it's obviously public now, but that was a tough decision for me. You know, did I, uh, you know, I was young in my career still. I had just come off of two really great seasons. Um, you know, I wasn't afraid to bet on myself, but it wasn't even as much of about the money as it was about, um, you know, kind of knowing the trend of the A's, right? Um, so I said I said no to that deal not because I was I wanted more money or whatever it is. Obviously, money has to do with the contract, and you know I thought that I'm worth more money than that. But at the end of the day, if I knew that Bob Melvin, Matt Olson, Marcus Simeon, Bassett, Manaya, Montas, Trinan, everybody that I played with that made us win 97 games two years in a row and win the division in 2020, if I knew that we were going to get a new stadium, we were going to continued success, win World Series and run the same guys out there and continue to build that core, I would have committed. But I didn't know if that was what I was committing to. And it, there would have been a chance I signed that contract. Now Olsen's gone. Now Marcus is gone. All these guys are gone. And I'm here, you know, without the guys that I signed up to play with. So that's kind of what factored into my decision more than even the money. Obviously, it is a business. And, you know, you have to, you know, make that decision was a tough decision. It, it kind of... Uh, you know, it was a really hard decision to make, but, you know, I, I'm, I don't regret it. I look back and, you know, I really am a pr proud of what I did in Oakland. I'm proud of the, you know, I left it all out there on the field every single time. You know, I played through injuries. I injured myself. I did whatever I, it took to show up and play for the team for, you know, the name on the front of the jersey. And, you know, I'd do it all over again if I could, but I, I don't regret it. I know that, you know, who knows what's going to happen, how much money I'm going to make if I live up to the contract, whatever it is. But I came to peace with that. You know, that's not what life's all about. You know, life's all about, uh, you know, a lot of things. But baseball-wise, you know, it's about being able to put yourself and bet on yourself and 
have an opportunity to uh, you know make a decision where you want to play and make a decision who you want to play with and I wanted to play with those guys and I didn't know if that was going to happen. Well you know you're always going to be loved here and we're always going to miss Bob Melvin and you the battle every day that you guys had was Absolutely. it was they were epic battles for sure for sure they were um so yeah that is, that is something that i'll always uh you know look to and laugh and it'll be fun one day when i get to see bowmel across the way but um yeah just a lot of a lot of good memories coming back here it's uh it was, it was a little different uh, looking down at myself on this field in blue. Uh, <laughs> that was that was a trip yesterday. I was uh, usually looking down and seeing my white cleats and uh, white green uniform, and I look out and I'm having to make the long run over there. So a lot of weird things your first time back, but uh, you know, there's I have no hard feelings with the A's. You know, I hope the A's fans have no hard feelings towards me about the whole contract thing. Um, but it is a business, and that's the way it goes. And you know, my decision wasn't based off of, uh, you know, strictly based off of money. Obviously, I thought, uh, you know, at that time I was, you know, right up there in the MVP voting. I was uh, playing really good baseball. I still think that I can play that kind of baseball. And it was mostly a decision made about, you know, what, what the future of this franchise looked like with, with my teammates. And that's who I cared about playing with the most. And I just obviously look at Marcus and Olsen now. They're signed long term somewhere else. So. You know, that, that's kind of what I, what I was afraid of, and I just didn't want to be, you know, without those guys. Well, we'll always appreciate your time. Yeah. You know, I said the same thing to Marcus when he came back. We'll always be rooting for you. Absolutely. Well, I'm always, uh, always peace of me will, be, you know, be remembered as an Oakland A, and I've uh, always uh, loved coming here. So it's fun to be back. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, if you look over my left shoulder, you can see Matt Chapman taking ground balls right now. If you're listening on athletics.com slash A's Cast, you can go over to the A's YouTube channel, and why don't you turn a little bit so we can see. Here, you know, I'll do it. Turn it a little bit more so you can actually see Matt Chat Matt Chapman working out. Just turn the whole tripod. See him taking ground balls right now. And that's what, what we're able to do here when you watch on Twitter or YouTube. And he's taking ground balls and... I wanted to give him the opportunity to answer the questions. Uh, and I thought, you know, like always, he was he was honest. And I wanted to be honest. You know, it's one thing when you come in here and the media just throws softballs at you and they say, you know, oh, what's it like to come back? Oh, I didn't know how to get to the visitor's clubhouse. Like, who cares? Every player that ever comes back to a stadium has that same tired take. I don't know how to get to the opposing clubhouse. It, literally, it's 20 yards away. I mean, seriously. You, you really it's, – it's not like one clubhouse is in the center field. The other one is, you know, I mean, come on. 
bottom line is this was his clubhouse. This was his stadium. This guy ran the show. He was the leader of the team. Bob Melvin played off the pulse that was Chapman. No question about it. And that's him in the background right there. And the reality is it's not easy for him to come back. There's no way it was easy for him just to come back and say, ah, oh, I played here and now I'm a Blue Jay. No, 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 no. All the free throw stuff, the fog machine, the stadium playing, the music way too loud, all this stuff was match up. When you traveled with the team, you really knew who was the leader of this team. It wasn't Olsen. It wasn't Simeon. It was Chapman. How are you the leader of this franchise and you're out of here? Well, you know, it takes two to tango. So I wanted to get his opinion. What did you think of his opinion, Commander? I thought it was fair. And, and you know, I, I think any player or anyone's going to – I don't think any Ace fan's going to disagree with him. And we were getting comments in during the interview. And, you know, you know, they appreciated his honesty, and they didn't blame him one bit. And, By the you know, way, did you get that? Did you get anything like that anywhere else? Uh, not that I've seen, no. I mean, I told you, we're going to ask him. And uh, we got it. Doesn't sound, you know, that the commitment that he wanted, it wasn't enough, which I think we knew interviewing Scott Boris on this exact same field multiple times, we knew that was going to happen. Um, but, hey, things move on. Like, yeah, we. I mean, what would have happened if Matt Chapman signed the contract? How much does that change? How much does that change? What, what happens? What happens to the future? What happens with Olson? What happened? I mean, what 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 changes? We don't know. Now you did have. I mean, to all honesty, you know, Commander had the uh, Commander had the stat that in the calendar year from last year to this year, he was hitting two oh one. Under that now. It's under that now after going zero for three. So you know, what is it in the end the right move? I think a lot of it plays into – now, we still know he's elite defensively. I mean, that's a given. I mean, we're watching yeah. I mean, we're watching him take ground balls right now, but we're seeing everything he's been able to do. The hip injury, I know we heard a lot about that, but, I mean, he's still generating power for sure, but the strikeouts are alarming. Um, you don't want to see that in the low average. The OBP is down, but the, the power is still there. You see it. The power will always be there for him. It's just everything else has kind of gone down every year since. He's starting with the first year, the breakout year. Like you, if I if I bring up his numbers right now, and tell you what his numbers were in 2018 to 2019, I, I believe his batting average may have won. Let me just double check so I know what I'm saying. <laughs> 20, 28, 2018, his first full season, he played 145 games, 278. He had 24 homers, drove in 68. The next year, 2019, 36 homers, drove in 91, hit 249. Then the 2020 year, 232, the hip injury. Then 2021, last year at age 28. 151 games, 210 average, 27 homers, 72 runs driven, but the 202 strikeouts was alarming. The second most in the American League behind only Joey Gallo. That's not something you were expecting to see from him. So then this year, he's hitting 212, 11 homers, 37 runs driven in, 74 strikeouts in 264 ABs. You know what you're going to get defensively? Yes. He's elite. He can play shortstop if you want. He played shortstop for the ace. I mean – it was he, one game, but. He's the best 
defensive third baseman I've ever seen. Now, let's be honest, I'm not old enough. Proud to say that. Brooks Robinson, I know he won all those gold gloves. I know the highlights. I'm not old enough to see Brooks. Tony, you don't remember Mike Schmidt playing in his heyday? But Mike Schmidt, the greatness of Mike Schmidt, let's be honest. There was when Mike – so Mike Schmidt is the greatest third baseman of all time. And that's coming from someone who my grandfather was the MVP of Major League Baseball in 1947, the great Bob Elliott. Look it up. Uh, my grandfather was one of the elite third basemen of his time. But that actually doesn't mean anything. I just like throwing it out there. Uh, Mike Schmidt's the greatest third baseman of all time. He's the best combination of power, great power, great hands, a man his size. Uh, Mike Schmidt's the best. But Mike Schmidt played in Philadelphia. I grew up on the West Coast. We didn't have ESPN as we know it at that point. We had no Internet. We had didn't have cell phones. We didn't have apps. You didn't even have baseball reference. We didn't have baseball reference. So uh, Mike Schmidt was a game of the week. Got to see him in the All-Star game. And when I was eight years old, he was in the World Series. So, no, I didn't get to see a lot of Mike Schmidt. I mean, that's the thing. Like, what you guys as kids now watching now, I'm doing a show on the field. We have a camera, and we're on YouTube, and we're on Twitter. We didn't have that with Mike Schmidt playing behind us. So I don't know. Mike Schmidt was a great defender. I got to see it. And plus, I grew up in San Diego. I, I saw Mike Schmidt play as a little kid. I was a real little kid. I actually visually saw him play. But remember, they hardly ever came to town. He was in the East. So take it for what it's worth. And then if you're in American League, like if you grew up in a place like, I don't know, Seattle, you never even got to see him because there was no interleague play. So – Talking about great defensive third basemen in my what I have seen in my professional life, Matt Chapman's the best defensive third baseman I've ever seen. Now, to back me up on that, Ray Fossey told Jim Palmer, true story, Ray Fossey told Jim Palmer, Matt Chapman's the best. And you're telling a guy who played with Brooks Robinson, right? And you're talking about Ray Fossey who played against Brooks Robinson. He said... He said to Palmer, he said, this guy's the best guy I've ever seen. You, the, Defensively, the, yes. The size, the athleticism, how far he plays back, the arm, how he comes in on the ball. There's, I, And Arenado, his high school teammate, I mean, his greatness also. Good player. And we don't see Arenado no, every day. True. I mean, he's proved, by the way, not to go off on Arenado, but he's really proven that narrative that he can hit outside of course field. Oh, everyone's like, well, he can't hit. Uh, he's doing just fine. Now, Story's hitting a little bit, too, but he's hitting home runs. His average isn't there, and he's striking out a ton. But going back to Chapman, yeah, I've never well, seen. Well, you know what the good thing for Arnado what this will do? This will make him a, a slam dunk Hall of Famer. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because that was the thing. It's like even Larry Walker, because Larry Walker, the bulk was, well, there was a lot of Montreal. Then it was Colorado. The greatest years are in Colorado. And then he came out of Colorado, but those weren't the best years of his career. Whoa. He was at the tail end. You're talking about Cardinal legend Larry Walker? <laughs> yeah, that's at the tail end of the career. Now you're going to have prime career for Arenado in Colorado and prime career in St. Louis. You put up the great numbers in St. Louis to go with what you did in Colorado. Now you're not a course field guy anymore. You're not Todd Helton, even though Todd, you can make it. Okay, what's Todd? Since you were Mr. Algorithm, 
What's Todd Helton's war? Uh, one second. I, I have Arno is hitting 292 this year. He has a 48.4 war already. I think he's going to be a lock for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, uh, I, Todd I agree. Helton, former Tennessee quarterback Todd Helton's uh, Who war. lost his job to Peyton Manning, by the way. 61.8. Yeah, I'm going to say that doesn't get you in. I think he'd have to be a over 70, especially playing at Coors Field, to get in. Because uh, he was, cause you got to remember, Wars counting your defense, and he was very good defensively. Yeah, he 369 career homers, 1,406 runs driven in. What's uh, a career average? 316. God. Uh, How is his war so low? 953 OPS. How is his war so low? He had home runs. Drove in runs. He won. Scored runs. Yeah, three-time gold glove winner. Boy, good defense. He did everything. How, how does his war not good? And then you go and look at someone like, like I always bring him up. Every time we look at this, I go and look at Brian Giles who had a 50-something war. He Brian really Giles, who was such a steroid guy and could not stay healthy. And he played on bad Pirates teams. Was a great running back in high school. I saw him play in high school. But that, that I mean, war is so random. Like, who um, – we were looking at a pitcher that had a really, really high war for some reason. And then you look at other guys and their war is really low. I forget who it was. There was an extreme outlier case. Like Buster Posey has a low a low war, but he also didn't play as many years oh, as other guys. Oh, Ken Rosenthal. What time did that? I was up late last night. You know, sometimes you people, you people are able to turn the game off. It's firework night. Last night. I had trouble sleeping, so uh, I was up. What time did I email you the uh, Ken Rosenthal piece? It came through this morning. Was it this morning? Yeah. Um, so I'm reading Ken Rosenthal because, you know, doesn't everybody sit up late at night in bed and read Ken Rosenthal? I mean, I do. Light, light, I got the reading light on. You know, to be honest with you, I don't, w- don't want to know what you do late at night. I, got, I just, me, I I'm on the athletic. I'm on the athletic reading. Ken Rosenthal, was. it was funny, it was like, I got somebody to compare Buster Posey to. <gasps> it's like, when did Buster Posey become this mythical creature all of a sudden? He won a couple World several World there's Series. Been, there's been other players who have won World Series. An MVP. There's been other players who have won World Series and MVPs. I know. We act like he's this mystical. He compared Will Smith. Catcher, not the pitcher, obviously. You mean not the actor. Not the actor. <laughs> yeah, that too. Cody has no sense of humor. This was a great one today. I text Cody texts me about Sherman Sherman you know Rips Otani and Trout no longer MVP. I respond Joel or Richard. Joel of course. You don't think it's right Richard Sherman Richard Sherman It would be for, funny if Richard 49er great Seahawk Legion of for, Boom. First of all, when I think of Richard Sherman, I think of Tampa Bay Buccaneer Richard Stanford Sherman. Cardinal Richard Sherman. He was the greatest Buccaneer corner I've ever seen. Wide receiver before he was yeah. a DB for uh, for Jim Harbaugh at Stanford, Richard Sherman. Um, By the way, what's Stanford and Cal going to do? I was talking to Cole Irvin about that. He goes, there's going to be no more conference games. Well. there's You know, there's been a rumor that five, new t- five other teams reached out to the Big 12. It was like Arizona, Arizona State. Well, they, they got to do something because what? Because if you're if you're telling me Oregon and Washington are gonna go to the Big Ten, I mean basically the Pac-12 is done, uh, pretty much as we know it. So you're gonna have to find if you're Arizona, Arizona State, uh, 
Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, Stanford, you're going to have to find because you thought, well, maybe what if they bring in like San Diego State, and Boise State, and San Jose State. But, I mean, it started as the Pac-6, then went to the Pac-8, then the Pac-10, now the Pac-12. Ken Korak, your entire life has been around this this Pac. I don't remember the Pac-6. I remember the Pac-8 when I was a kid. We used to go to games all the time when I was – Hanging out with my dad. We'd uh, football, basketball every weekend with the Pac-8 back then. It's in trouble. Before they added the Arizona schools, right? That's when they became the Pac-10. It's uh, it's on life support. Yes, it is. Yeah, this all ha- started happening 15, 20 years ago, too, with all the conference realignment now, and it's kind of out of control. thing that I know we, we're going to talk baseball. that We can talk anything that, we want. That, that concerns me about the Pac-12 in the distance, what about like swimming and volleyball and soccer softball and, and baseball yeah. and softball and all that? Because yeah. the travel wasn't bad in the Pac-12. So UCLA so. and USC and then throw, okay, it's even. Because basically the Big Ten was set up to be a Midwest power, right? Which it always was. And then they started adding e-schools and they added Rutgers and Maryland and Penn State, and then next thing you know, here comes Nebraska. But you're now going to have division games where you have schools from L.A., USC and UCLA. They're going to have to travel, and vice versa. Rutgers is in New Jersey, Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, So the closest school to those would be to UCLA and SC would be like Nebraska? Would be Nebraska, yeah. Right, yeah. Iowa? What's Colorado uh, and Utah going to do? Right. You know, Northwestern's in Chicago. Correct. Purdue. It's not easy yeah, to get to no. Michigan, Michigan State. No, it's not. Because you're not. Because I've done that. You're not going into Detroit. No, you got to go yeah. into Detroit and then do a puddle jumper. Yeah, which we've done, yes, in yeah. the past. For so sure. it's. Well, and then I was Paul Feinbaum, who's forever worked for ESPN and does SEC stuff, who's like, you know, Mr. College Football, talked about, you know, he understands why USC did it. And USC has to bring UCLA along with them. Right. But it was about USC. But he's talking about once these new contracts kick in for for ESPN's contract with SEC and this big this big money by it. Fox's is Big Ten. Is each school's going to be getting like a hundred and twenty five million a year? Uh, yeah, it's that's each what it's school. all about. That's what it's all about. Yeah, there's no doubt. That's that's just not one school. That's each school in the conference just right. for footballs getting that. Yeah, and then the trickle down is that if you're the rest of the Pac-12, you're not going to come close to that, right? Correct. As they negotiate their next rights fee. So that basically they're saying 125 million per school softball. Guess what? You're flying commercial to wherever you need right. to go. You know, the Pac-12 is not a bad league. It just doesn't have the marquee value of UCLA and SC. It's so the- it's going to be hard for them. To negotiate the kind of contracts that you feel like you need to have to sustain a big-time program like football. It's the league of the Olympic sports. Yeah. I mean, you think the Sears Trophy all these years, Stanford has won the Sears Trophy as mm-hmm. the best athletic department. I mean, basically the Pac-12 has been where all of our swimmers and gold medalists and silver medalists and all the different sports, the Pac-12 has been huge for our the United States Olympic team. You know what I liked when I was in the Big West at your alma mater doing their games? I played in the Big because West. Because you could drive to almost every game. That was fun. 
when I was doing football and basketball for the Spartans, you know, you'd jump down to UOP and Fresno State and you know the only you'd one? hit the L.A. schools and Long yeah. Beach and Fullerton and we Irvine. Would, and, we would bus yeah. to Fullerton, bus to uh, Long Beach. We'd bus to Santa Barbara. Irvine? Uh, Irvine wasn't in it at the time. You're uh, that old. Pacific. I'm. <laughs> um, the only one was Vegas, UNLV. Was yeah, where we'd, so Vegas we'd, was in the league when you were Yeah. There. So what we years were, were you at San Jose? Uh, 91 through 95. Okay, that's when I was. I started at, at Vegas in 92. You were so. just, your tenure was at the end of your football when I got there. Right, my last year doing football. You took all your bowl rings and yeah, left of us. Of which we got three yeah. while I was there. You took all your championships yeah. and you left us. 86, 87, and 90 for the Spartans in the California Bowl. Yet, see, all of you A's fans think of Ken Korak as yours. There's still some... People down in uh, Spartoonie land who view they're Ken, dwindling. Who, who, who still view Ken Korak as the voice of the San Jose State they're, Spartans. It's, it's a dwindling group. Uh, we had Matt Chapman on. I don't know yeah. if you heard. Yeah, it's great. And, great to hear him. Uh, I allowed him, like I have with every former player. I'm not trying to be controversial, but you know me. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to give you the chalk. What was it like trying to find the other clubhouse? I would say. Hey, was the contract offered? Did you turn it down? Mm-hmm. And I let him go, and right. he did it. And he was honest with you. He was honest. There was a contract. It wasn't. He claims it wasn't about the money. Being a Boris guy, I don't know if I completely buy that, but I do buy the the fact that he didn't want to be the only guy, knowing that the mm-hmm. commitment to everybody else that kind of makes sense. It's a business. It is. It's too bad, and it's why these need to increase their revenue. Let's face it, it's as simple as that, right, Chris? And that's what the whole stadium situation is about. So, and it's just tough. It's tough on the fan base to see great players leave. And, you know, you just don't want to, because the A's are a ways away from developing that next generation of great players. When that happens, have to hold on to them, Chris. Yeah, because, you know, we don't, We don't know and we don't know when the next ballpark is going to, you know, when this new, I should say, when this new ballpark Mm -hmm. is going to happen. I just know this. The players that will be in their prime are guys that currently may be in high school or maybe even in college. Yeah, or maybe A ball and double A. I mean, you would hope that, yeah, guys like, so I'm, I'm excited it's a long ways away, and prospects are prospects until they prove something. But Max Muncy's having a good year at, at uh, Stockton and A-Ball. Soderstrom's at Lansing. So you hope those guys are part of the foundation that the A's can grow with. But it's hard to project with players that are in the low minors. They Both guys were number one picks. All the pitchers the A's got in the deals during the spring, they got two number ones and a number two. They got the Blue Jays number one. Uh, in the Chapman deal, so you just hope that all that all that promise comes to fruition at some point. You're right. I'm worried about when the ballpark opens up. Right. Because we don't know, right? We're hoping 27, could be 28. Well, that's, yeah, I could, mean, that's could be five, 29, years, five years down the road. And so those guys are in A ball and double A if they do, if all this comes materializes. Yeah, that those best guys case could, scenario. Yeah, could provide yeah. the foundation. Yeah. We're, and that's what we're we're hanging our hats on. You know the thing about what we got here now, which should keep you interested, is what we saw last night, what we've seen with Frankie, what we've seen with Paul Blackburn. 
those three, if you look at the numbers, you look at you you look at Cole Irvin's numbers at home at the Coliseum this year. It's a 1.49 ERA at home this year. Well, we're going to hear from Scott Emerson on the pregame show, the A's pitching coach, of course. And the A's were a team that, with the one-loss record struggling so badly, they have three of their starters in the top 18 in the American League in ERA, in Blackburn and Montas and Irvin. Now, Irvin's going to fall out tomorrow because he won't have enough innings, but he's qualified as of today. So they've done a good job. And, and uh, they're also going with a little more of a small – now they've, they've – we're seeing what they can do when the ball leaves the ballpark. You know, they've struggled so badly to homer, but they had three home runs in the first game of the series against the Mariners on Thursday. Two long balls are big last night. They're still at the bottom in the league in home runs, but you have to develop power too, right, Chris? You can't win in this league unless you've got guys who can hit the ball out of the ballpark. And they have seven home runs in their last five games, so we'll see if they can sustain that. Yeah, have you seen uh, many teams win a lot of football games that don't score touchdowns? No, you that's right. <laughs> and the great A's teams We're going to field goal you to death. The great, Chris, the great A's teams were never high batting average teams. I know. They were high on base teams, but they were home run teams. They hit home runs. They hit over 200 home runs a year. All those great clubs did that or came close to it. So have to develop that right now in the system. And I, I think they've got some guys who are showing that kind of promise. I want your opinion on this because it's something that irked me, and I, I don't know whether you guys were even in town or not when it happened, but I, I, I like, got tired of this. Otani is just this – he's great, right? He's something we've never seen, and Trout's the uh, greatest player of all time. But then all of a sudden they lost those 14 games and Joe Madden got fired, and I was like, Otani shouldn't be MVP. Cause, and, and I went and did it myself. I went and did all the numbers, and during the 14-game streak he stunk pitching and hitting. Mm-hmm. And then today, Joel Sherman finally called out Brian Kinney on MLB Now. I don't know if you ever watched that show, but Joel Sherman just said, I don't want to hear about it anymore. He's one of your big-time guests on your show. I love him. Yeah, and, but yeah. Sherman was like, I'm so tired of hearing When the team needs – and I, I'm full of agreeance. I've been talking about this for weeks. When the team needs you most, you are nowhere to be found. And then now the team's out of it. Oh, two home runs here. Well, we had this discussion at lunch the other day in Seattle with Kipe and – and Dallas. Ooh, because Dallas is all in on Otani. Well, and Kipe's position is that if you voted for Otani for MVP last year and he's doing similar things, if not better, especially on the pitching side this year, why would you not vote for him this year? And I've always taken the stance, Chris, unless someone is just light years better, that I want to see what you do in September. I like to see your club in a pennant race and when the heat's on and how do you perform. So I've, I've always been biased toward a player on a team that's in contention and especially one that wins and gets to the postseason. Now, we don't have a vote, right? We never will. Yeah, why do you not but, have a vote? Well, I'm not, we're not members of the Baseball Writers Yeah, but the only reason why the writers have it— We don't vote it, for the Hall of Fame either. Do you know why? It's because when they, when they start all this stuff, we didn't have television. Radio was right. primitive. Right. So the writers were king, but we've evolved as humans, and we've evolved as a media. We have. Yes, and the fact <laughs> that uh, writers are now on – you know what's funny about that? Writers are the ones on the way out. The other thing the other thing I was told is that, like, in my case, because I work for the club, paycheck comes from the A's, that there's, they would say, well, there is an inherent bias, like with the Hall of Fame – You'd be more prone to vote for your guys, A's guys, so you you would lose your objectivity. 
And my answer to that is we all have to reconcile our own credibility, first of all. And the other thing is that the line's really been blurred even for writers because they're writers that are getting paychecks from radio stations and maybe uh, pregame and postgame shows that are, that, with the team. That, are, that are owned by the ball yeah. clubs and stuff. So yeah. that, that whole thing has been, it's been blurred for the last several years. So I'm not sure that that, that rationale holds yeah, too much this, water now. Let's throw this out there. I think of yourself. I think Vinny. I think Bill King. Uh, let's go over to Lon Simmons, Hank Greenwald, whoever you want to think over on the giant side, John Miller. Mm-hmm. You don't think all of you guys, just just knowing and having dealt with all of you guys, that you would not say, I, I value this vote. I'm yeah, not going to be a I, honk. I think so. Yeah, I would. Vin Scully would not give you an, an honest. Yeah, I think seriously? so. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But that's not going to happen. It's okay. It's not that big a deal. It may change. I mean, we're running out of writers. I mean, there's not the baseball writers that there used to be. And a lot of these guys, what we're finding out is still have votes and they haven't covered the game in a long time. I miss that because when I started here, we had like five uh, papers covering the A's on a daily basis and traveling. Might have been a half a dozen. We have one. Yeah, right. And the and MLB, right? And, and Martin Gallegos is MLB.com. It's not a paper. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. have one, we have one paper. We had CC Times, Oakland Tribune, yep. San Jose, Mercury News, Examiner, Chronicle, Press Democrat, and Sacramento Bee yeah. with us back then. You know, I enjoyed that. It was fun. Yeah, a lot has changed, but I'd like to see you guys actually have a vote. I think it would be. I think it helped the well, credibility. Thank you. you could carry the ball for us. I well, because because we have columnists in the Bay Area who still have a vote, and you'll never see them here. Right. So how can they really? They'll go over to Giant Games. They may, may not watch our games. But if you have to give a vote on an American League player on whether this guy should go into the Baseball Hall of Fame or not, and let's say, like, you know, for example, you know, Toronto comes one time a year. Could Vladimir Guerrero Jr. be a Hall of Famer someday? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, could maybe Bo Bichette? Sure. If you don't come and watch these guys' careers yeah. and you're voting on their careers – that's the problem I have with these random columnists who have votes. And I felt that way a little bit in the days before interleague play that I didn't know the National League that well. I mean, when I was a kid, I went to Dodger Stadium all the time, and before that, the Coliseum in L.A. But now with interleague play, you're seeing the other league even, so you get a little better feel for some of the players on in the other league. Which, have you switched at all? Your thoughts on, because you're old school, American, national. It's so blurred now. And next year with the way the schedule works. Yeah, I want to see how it works out because I'm a little concerned about the schedule. Because when when interleague play, the advent of interleague play was in 97. And I'm not sure if it was the next year where there were a ton of two-game series. And the travel was awful. You'd go in someplace and play a night game, a day game, you were gone. Then another two-game series, and you had all these... It was just really rough as far as travel, crisscrossing the country trying to play these interleague games. And that's not so good not baseball, sure. by the way. No, it's not. It's not. Um, you know, the reasons that I don't particularly care for it is that I like, I like playing games that impact your league. I like playing a game against a club where the standings come more into focus when you're playing that team. And so that doesn't happen 
when you're now a win is a win and it counts on your record and some of the great A's clubs dominated the National League and that was helpful but and you know it's also just a just my own kind of personal perspective on it is that I like doing games against teams that I know and I think it makes it makes it for it makes for a better broadcast for me uh, when you get to know these clubs and now you don't see them that often you prepare for a team and you see them in two games you don't see them for another three years and to me that's not a whole lot of fun but the ship has sailed on that I mean interleague yeah. play is here it's not going away so I just hope that in terms of the of the schedule that they do it in a way that at least makes the travel smoother than it was back in the early days when we were stuck with all these two-game series. When we were talking about Matt Chapman being one of the greatest third basemen that we've ever seen, I mean, for me, he's the best defensive third baseman I've ever seen. And, you know, when you start looking at guys, and we are talking about Brooks Robinson, I'm too young. And then I said, he Mike Schmidt, because even though Mike Schmidt's a National League guy, I grew up in a National League town, but you never, you know, mm -hmm. we didn't have – we didn't have MLB Network. We didn't have Sports Center. We didn't. You didn't get to see every one mm -hmm. of his games, every at bats, all the different highlights. To where now we get to see more than ever before. I would just say what we're about to do is going to allow least young kids to see everybody. Yeah, now and on I, a get basis. I get the argument. I get the argument. So there's there are other things to me about the game that are more important from my point of view. If I were like Commissioner Korak. So, I mean, it's like I said, it's not going to, nothing's going to change where the interleague play is here to stay. And, I mean, I, I really love watching guys that you know are going to put people in the ballpark. And that's what the A's need to develop. Yes. You need, A's need a Julio Rodriguez. We talked about it over then. Julio was just named the American League Player of the Week for the week ending Sunday, that he's going to put people in the seats in Seattle. And those are the guys that you can build a franchise around and build your marketing and sales. Guys like that are really important in the game. And even with the All-Star game coming up, I hope that there's a way to showcase the young players beyond the Futures game. But a guy like Rodriguez should be in the All-Star game because you, you want the whole country to see someone who doesn't maybe get as much exposure as some of the other players because he's playing up in Seattle. How, how do you get a Julio Rodriguez, and how do we get him here tonight? Well, he's an international <laughs> signing. You know, he was an international sign by, by the Mariners. So. And that's why the Astros yeah. are the Astros right now. Their international signings have been fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they traded for Alvarez from the Dodgers, uh, which is pretty that was amazing. A, that was a steal. It was a steal, and he's – He's right there right now to me with, uh, aren't you with, curious with to Judge see what, for MVP. I, aren't you curious to see what he looked like when they made that trade? Because now he's just so massive. He's such a big guy. He was a young kid at the time. Was he just a tall, lanky guy? Didn't have a lot of pop. Like, how, Who said, yep, give that guy up? Scott Emerson said that he is as good a hitter as he's ever seen. How do you give that guy up? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you're, there are times when you win, you try to win now. And so you're willing to trade a low minors guy, an obscure guy, which he was at the time, because you're trying to get a big league ball player. And that's the way a lot of these deals come down. So, Where are we? I've lost track. You're having we've, so we, much fun. I we, think we, we've we only got, did one commercial break the entire day. We, we got about like three minutes. I do want to give Ken a scouting, re, scouting report since it will be hit. I've been to the ballpark in Texas before every one of our broadcasters. You haven't been there yet? No, in fact, the A's are playing the Astros this weekend. 
Wishfield Mark, two series at home against the Astros and two series at home against the Rangers before the A's even go to Texas for the first time this year. But, yeah, it's, it's wait, true. Wait, what wait, what happened last year? The, we didn't we travel. Didn't bro- travel. Didn't travel. We didn't travel last year? We no. have not been on the road since 2019. Yeah. Where except, have I been? Except in, in, in 2020. Well, that's right. I've been in my garage. We did a series in San Francisco <laughs> last year. I've been in the home studio now. We for, didn't go to L.A. for the playoffs in, in 2020. That's correct. We did every right. game. But I thought, I thought last year we no. traveled. Yeah. So, so the, anyway, the commander has a scouting the, report. The ballpark's awesome. Uh, 104 degrees outside. You go inside. A cool 72 with the roof closed. Every day. Every day. They got they got amenities all around the ballpark. The broadcast booth and the press box still now, a little high. you talk to me about things that matter to me, like the booth. Nothing else. I don't care about the amenities. The fans? For, for the, what do they for matter? For the commander. Come on. Uh, he wants to know how's the food and how's his view. I think the broadcast you know. booth is it's it's higher up there, but I wouldn't say it's like where you're going to be up there and you can't see any, any binoculars, see what's going on in the field, but it's a, it's it's not low on a lower level. I would say it's it's probably higher than where the Bill King booth is. Yeah, yeah. everybody's is though. Yeah, that's, that's true. Standard. Yeah, but yeah, it's not low like the Giants have theirs. It's not like that. Houston is is low too. Houston's great view from there for a new ballpark. It's a little unusual, just to the right of home plate, down low. Uh, I was told it's not as high as. It's not like Pittsburgh. As, yeah, right, because there was a lot of concern in our fraternity <laughs> about the new ballpark in Texas. But it's not – I don't. They, they say it's not quite as bad as it was made out to be before it opened. So, I mean, I, But, I, yeah, I can, I'm, I'm digging the air conditioning. Yeah, that's, that so was the best part. No wind and no papers flying all over the place and no Bill King slamming his briefcase in his <laughs> notebook because the wind drove him crazy and – well, so. if you if if you think about the long term investment and all the different issues that the Rangers had from a standpoint of people deciding on whether to are we going to go to the game? I don't know. It could rain. It's not the humidity, lightning, all that kind of stuff. That's all thrown out, and now they can guarantee they have 81 games. It's like that roof will pay for itself. That was the only good thing about AstroTurf in the early days of AstroTurf. Because now they have this incredible drainage at all the natural turf ballparks where it can rain for two hours like crazy, and then you can play a game. But in the early days of AstroTurf, in places like Kansas City, Chris, yeah, where they really relied on people coming from far away, maybe spending a weekend. In, St. Louis in for St. years, St. Louis too, City. yeah. And that's why, you know, as, as, as awful as AstroTurf really was to play on, uh, there, those, that was the only benefit of it because you could have a – Big thunderstorm in the Midwest and then play a game on time at 7 o'clock. Do we got time for one buying or selling? Sure, why not? What, and Ken Korak can play buying or selling, the voice of your Oakland Athletics. Are you going to make me find it all because I have like a 1,000 of them? There's so many on here that we haven't even used. From- Give us a good one. We have Ken Korak here for God's sakes. Right, you don't get him here every day. <laughs> let me get let me, I'm looking. Hold on. I put a new one. Oh, I know what I can ask him. The, the Buster Posey question. Ooh. Hall of Fame? Now, we'll get into that another time. We need more okay. time than this right now. Okay. So Ken Rosenthal put Will Smith and Buster Posey in the same sentence in his new piece, How Dare He, the future Hall of Famer versus some Dodgers catcher. But listen to their numbers for their first 284 games, according to Ken Rosenthal. Buster Posey, his slash line, 307, 374, uh, 489, that's in 41 career right, home runs. Will right. Smith, 261, 349. 870 OPS, and he had 60 home runs. Will Smith has a 943 career OPS with runners in scoring position. Posey, well lowered, 888 OPS runners in scoring position. Right. 
Buying or selling Will Smith is the next Buster Posey. I think he might be. I really like Will Smith. I think he's outstanding. Drafted the same year as I think Sean he's Murphy. A, yeah. The actor or the ball player? <laughs> I like Sean Murphy a lot, too. So I think Will Smith has a chance to be maybe not a perennial all-star, but to make several all-star teams in the National League. No, I really like him. I'll buy it, but he's got more He's got more pop. Yeah. More pop will play longer for him, which I think will skew his numbers. But he's not – well, I don't know. He was part of the World Series team. Yeah, he's also – They yeah. win another World Series or two. Now he's a part of a couple World he, Series he also, teams, more pop, and now you're eh. – He debuted also two years – Posey debuted at 22, Smith was 24. Because, remember, he was – well, they're both college guys, but Will Smith took a little longer. Him and Murphy are in the same class, class together. Buster Posey yeah. out of? Florida State. He's a seminal. Cal Raleigh of uh, Seattle. Mariners, Florida State guy, too. By the way, a little challenge for you tonight. If you can work in RE24, the metric. Which is? It's a great question. I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Larry Doby became the first American League uh, African-American on this day. You know how I feel about it. It rubs me wrong. Yeah. It was three months after Jackie Robinson. People act like it was years. No, it was three, just three months later he and did the everything thing, the same. The other thing about, and they both were great, and they both dealt with so much racism yeah. and all the segregation, Chris, and they're both in the Hall of Fame, thank goodness. But Doby came straight from the Negro Leagues. There's a great story on MLB.com today by Anthony Castro-Vince about Doby and his life. And, yeah, he actually literally took the train from Newark to join the uh, – the uh, then Cleveland Indians in Chicago at the old Comiskey Park and overnight train to get there and signed a pinch hit on this date. He was uh, he the broke the color barrier in the American League. Second African American to be a manager. Yeah. You're talking about a guy who was I mean, led the American League in home runs, he led him in RBIs, he was an all star, he was a great player, he was a World Series champion, he was on he the was an executive too after yeah. his playing days. He had a nice career after he was done playing. And so none of these kudos. guys know who he is. Number fourteen. That's the thing, it's like everybody knows who Jackie Robinson is, but Larry Doby did right. the exact same thing and nobody knows who he is, and he was and a he great had a great player. career. So I'm glad he's getting recognized today on the anniversary. Is that <laughs> it for the show? That's it, yeah. What time is it? Uh, 520. It just went by so quick. You're having so much fun, Tony. Uh, I can't. Yeah. yeah, I may keep you longer for the postgame show tonight. Dave's <laughs> Clubhouse with Ken Coy. You know what? 833-625-2278. Ask Ken. We could have we'll a segment. We'll be calls. I love we it used all to night do, long. We used to do that in, during rain delays when I was working with Bill. You guys used to take, take calls? calls? During the delays. <laughs> and it was like the greatest talk radio in the world because everybody wanted to talk to Bill. How often did A's fans have a chance to, like, Not talk directly to Bill <laughs> yeah. and ask him questions? Well, like Phone you, lines lit up, man. You could do Warriors. You could do Raiders. Yeah, you no, could do I mean, anything. It was really cool. Well, great stuff. Thank you for Thanks, stopping buddy. by. What do, we, what, do we, what do we got here? We're going to play the Mark Kotze show here. Ooh, the Mark Kotze show. Then we'll be back with A's Total Access brought to you by? Chevron. Who's on? Oh, we're going to have Matt Chapman. We'll replay the Matt Chapman. That's all coming up next right here on A's Cast. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. 
This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.